Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to Are You For Real? My name is Tom, and with me, as always, is my old pal Grant. Sefa Fef, Sefa Hi. Is that the same? Is that the same greeting from last week? No, it's a little different. This one, I'm not sure where it comes from. It's uh, to plug another podcast. It's from the Office Hours. They they use that soundbite a lot, but it's uh from Mr. Vic Berger, and uh, it's a Donald Trump quote. I don't know what the context is, but oh dear, at some point he said, "Sefa fef, sefa hi." <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, Jambi said, Mechalika hi, Mechahiney ho. So, Jambi. Yes. Yes. So, how you doing, pal? I'm good. I'm good, man. This last week's been a blur, really. I feel like I've been busy running nowhere. Um, I, I, I'm still. Uh, I think part of my innards are still filled with uh, with turkey and, um, you know, mashed taters and stuffing and all sorts of good cheer. So I'm a very lucky fellow, and I'm, I'm very thankful for being able to spend time with my, uh, my nuclear family. I did not visit with uh, any of my extended family, um, just, you know, my significant other and our daughter, but... Um, very thankful for what we have, and I'm thankful that I get to do this podcast with you, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thankful, too. And and for anyone who's confused, it, last week in America was Thanksgiving. I think that's strictly an American holiday. Where, um, Good point, man. That's very that's very American America-centric of me to assume that uh, <laughs> to assume that everyone knows what I'm talking about. Surprisingly, you know, thankfully, a, a pretty large portion of our um, of our listenership is uh, non-American. So uh, yeah. on, be- on behalf of um, Americans, uh, happy Thanksgiving. I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about the origins of the holiday, but uh, I view it as just an opportunity to be thankful for what I have and thankful for time spent with my family. I kind of eschew the whole uh, traditional aspect of it, but I do enjoy eating good food and spending time with my family. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to admit, I, it, it was tough, man. We, we got invited to go eat with my parents and it's such, it's so hard, you know, but, uh, we just went and did it. Of course, like totally irresponsible fools that we are. We tried to, we tried to social distance, keep a distance, but, uh, I don't it's know. tough, man. It's hard it's to get, a- in get it in their heads. That's like, <laughs> don't invite us to these things. Don't, don't do it. But, um, we broke down, and plus we wanted some turkey. Um, hey, man, it's hard to pass up a good bird. Yeah, it was really nice to see them, actually, and, and be together. Uh, it was only for an hour or so, I guess, but uh, no excuses. I totally did the inappropriate thing. Well, uh, I mean, another thing, just uh, for our non-American listeners, COVID is still raging here in the United States and in Southern California. We are uh, We've had some new stay-at-home orders issued uh there's a new tur- curfew anyway won't get too much into that but that's the whole reason we're talking about uh social distancing still and that's why grant and i are still doing this over skype so again as always thank you for bearing with us with the sound quality i keep saying i'm going to get a better quality mic because grant is every time i listen to our podcast i'm like god grant sounds amazing 
and <laughs> I just sound like a bit tinny and uh well sometimes I cut in and out but thanks for bearing with us and uh yeah I think I think you sound all right yeah it is it's um it is a little bit I guess tinny compared to and I'm very uh very bassy here but um yeah I was listening to it in the car it was kind of good because there's like good separation between the voice and you could still clearly hear both of them you know but uh yeah it's not really up to snuff obviously we'll get there again though we'll get oh, yeah. there just a matter of time oh wait hang on just a sec i think i gotta i feel a sneeze coming on here <gasps> it's ufo news that's right um we j- basically my reporting today an update on a story from last week tragically the um the monolith in utah is gone i don't know if anyone's been following this story here but um got a couple couple articles here um i did i heard about that there was speculation that it was a leftover prop from uh from the tv the hbo show westworld which was filming in that vicinity uh which would (laughs) kind of explain it if they just if the crew didn't get it out of there but i heard that um did you really hear that yeah i did oh wow yeah, yeah, I heard that. that that's one of the numerous rumors flying around. Um, <clears throat> and also, uh, it, it appears, I think, within the last day or two, that a similar monolith has appeared somewhere in Romania. So if any of our Romanian listeners care to fill us in on what's going on out there, please shoot us an email. I, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, that's pretty interesting. Um, but I, I did have a little snippet here. I. I know I sent this to you when I first read it. Um, so um, basically a lot of people, someone on Reddit had been able to post the precise location, I believe, by tracing the flight path of the the Bureau of Land Management for uh, tracking those those bighorn sheep. And um, quote uh, from – I got a couple articles here. Quote from the first one. Uh, by the time adventurers Ricardo Marino and Sierra Van Meter went to the spot late Friday night to get some photos – it was no longer there, meaning the monolith, of course. Quote, all that was left in its place was a message written in the dirt that said, bye, beep, email dog, <laughs> with a um, with a fresh pee stain right next to it, Marina posted to Instagram. Someone had just stolen the statue, and we were the first to arrive at the scene. Marino said they saw a pickup truck with a large object in its bed driving in the opposite direction shortly before they got there. A Reddit user also found the structure, which many believe to be abstract art, had been removed. How rude. Pretty abstract art. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty pretty, uh, pretty classy there. I mean, granted, uh, it's on like public property, but like, I feel like it doesn't belong to you, man, whoever you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Just to go steal it and, um, and then leave, leave such a nice message there. It sounds like a, a real class act. Um, Jeez. But then, and, and, and just going, going pee pee right there too. Not cool. Yeah. Obviously that's going to dry up pretty, pretty soon. But, um, anyway, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> that, that still adds a, a level of taste to it in my opinion. Yeah. Um, um, and then from another article, it appears the police, they don't care. Um, you know, they're not looking into the theft of, uh, the monolith. No, it was illegal, an illegal installation anyway, in their eyes. Um, 
But uh, this is from the other article saying that the, the police aren't going to investigate, quote, hundreds traveled to see the gleaming, almost otherworldly object. Visitors parked vehicles on plants and left behind waste. The Federal Bureau of Land Management, BLM, said, adding that the site does not have a parking lot, bathrooms or cell phone coverage, and some cars had to be towed from the remote area after getting stuck. The site is now empty except for a piece of rectangular metal covering a hole where the monolith stood. The BLM reminded any would-be visitors that driving off designated roads in the area remains illegal. End quote. So, uh, case closed in their eyes, I guess. They're well, it was fun. Stuff. It was fun. It was fun while it lasted, man. It was fun to speculate while it lasted for some <laughs> yeah. of us, anyway. Other people who shall remain nameless uh, are furious about the whole incident, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get into that. Um, yeah. The. Uh, now I feel like we need to explain. Like we can't just have inside jokes on here, but uh, oh, of course we can. Yes, of it, course it. we can. We've earned that right, Grant. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, I have a feeling people will probably still make pilgrimages out there just to see there. Huh? What do you think? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise well, me. I mean, now that the um, you know, now that the coordinates are known and everything, um. Hey, and if they're smart, uh, maybe people will start putting up, uh, setting up shop on the side of the road, selling alien T-shirts or monolith T-shirts on the way out there. Yeah, it might be the next, uh, the next Roswell here. Um, yeah, Rachel, Nevada, all that stuff, man, for sure. The, um, yeah, you can see why they didn't release the, uh, <laughs> release the location though. Right. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, um, is for some of our lucky listeners, they got to, uh, want to acknowledge that I, I just uploaded the raw feed of our conversation, uh, without, without any edits in it last week. So (laughs) I was quite surprised when I, when I first listened to it and the lucky, lucky few that downloaded it immediately probably got a, got an interesting episode there with, um, some nice sound effect worked by Tom and, and me kind of singing to myself. <laughs> I think I, I think I started off with a with a with a resonant belch. So yeah. sorry about that, guys. Uh, that was inappropriate. But uh, I I was relying on Grant to filter that out, and Grant kind of dropped the belch ball on that one. I did did big time, and we got some good singing by Tom in the intro there. But anyway, anyone who got to got a got a piece of that, you might want to hang on to it. It's probably going to be worth a lot of money someday. That's true. You know what? Save it. Save it to your MP3 player, your uh, your iPods, and uh, you know you'll have a. If you email <laughs> you'll have a collector's we'll item for win. Yeah, yeah, you'll have a collector's uh, uh, item for when our UFO reel hits the big time. <laughs> Um, man, I got to say too, uh, uh, I kind of started telling you this before the report, but I don't get to finish my thought. Um, I was, uh, oh, whoa, I'm getting a lot of breathing here or sound effects. Whoa. Yeah. I couldn't hear that. Are you there? Uh, yeah. You good? How am I? Am I pretty breathy? I, I don't know. That was weird. Yeah. In all seriousness, it got super tinny for a second. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I guess we're having some problems here. But um. Anyway, yeah, I just want to say I was reading Communion. Uh, I've been reading Communion, the the famous book, uh, UFO book, and uh, it was crazy how much it aligned with the stuff that we've been talking about. It even mentions the the Vilas Boas case in the book. Um, 
and it it talks a lot about fairies because I don't know if you remember how we were talking about how mythology is kind of been linked to UFOs by some and right uh, I didn't really uh, I, uh you were saying that you know they would call aliens um fairies or something that they're familiar with but I I meant more and I don't think I made it clear last episode but more that like this mythology comes from alien encounters you know like like that's what started was the cause of the mythology not that like oh yeah that's probably fairies or something you know what I mean oh okay so like, like <clears throat> these myths or folklore so like so aliens would appear as fairies is that what um, is, uh, I'm, not, I'm still. Just, I'm afraid I'm still not following. Or, like, or um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it is. That that is a little confusing to me. Maybe fairies were originally like big, big-eyed freaks of nature, <laughs> and, uh, or maybe they appear differently to other people. I don't know. Who knows? But uh, that was the connection I was trying to make anyway. Um, I don't think I explained myself well last week. But, uh, well, these are these are very difficult concepts we're discussing here, Grant. I don't think you should beat yourself up on about that. Okay, this is you know we're two we're two dudes that have known each other for a very long time, and we still have trouble communicating clearly to each other our our you know our complicated thoughts and sometimes our even simple thoughts. But uh, you know, yeah. Hopefully, our, hopefully our listeners get the gist of it. It's easy to get sidetracked on these Zoom conversations or Skype conversations as well. I think. Yes. Um. And when we're being recorded, it's easier just to talk over each other. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, let's uh, let's move on then. So, so today, as everyone knows, I would hope is uh, this is the second part of our our uh, investigation into the the alien abduction or supposed alien abduction of Antonio Villas Boas. Um. So let's see. Uh, yeah. So last week we discussed early UFO cases in history, then shared the story of the main topic, the UFO abduction of Anton- Antonio Villas Boas. This week I wanted to give a different but similar account of the abduction to refresh everybody's memories. This is from anomalian.com, written by Nick Long, and includes a few extra little interesting details not covered last week. Quote Antonio Villas Boas, 23, from Brazil reports that he was abducted on October 15, 1957, which would become one of the best-documented case of an alien abduction. He was the first reluctant to tell his story. No, that's not correct. He was first reluctant to tell his story, but was convinced by Dr. Olavo T. T. Fontes, a professor of medicine at the National School of Medicine in Brazil, to announce what has happened. Uh, Boas released his story on February 22nd, the following year, to journalist uh, Hoas Mark. You can you can do it. You can do it. How do you spell it? Uh, J O A S. Is that that would be Hoas? Hoas? I don't know, man. Like I said last time, my Puerto Gash is no good. Yeah, me neither. Um, I give up. Don't give up, man. Um, no, okay, yeah. So journalist. Uh, Joas Martins, a Brazilian military intelligence agent. Boas seemed to be suffering from radiation poisoning with symptoms of body pains, nausea, headaches, loss of appetite, constant burning sensations in the eyes, cutaneous lesions at the slightest of light bruising, which went, in, which went on appearing for months that looked like small red bumps, harder than the skin around it and protuberant. 
Painful when touched, each with a small central orifice with yellow discharge. Yuck. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Jeez. Uh, the skin around the wounds showed a, quote, hyperchromatic violent, uh, violet tinged area, end quote. Boas was subjected to physical and psychological tests. And while the actual abduction took place on the 15th, weird things were happening before near midnight on October 5th. So this is a a new branch of the story here, as far <clears throat> as concerned. Um, Boas spotted it. Jeez, I got to get better here. Uh, Boas spotted a bright light in the sky as he opened the window for some air, and after sleeping, he woke up with the same light there moving towards him as he looked at it. Boas was scared and showed his brother, who looked in awe as the bright light danced through the shutters before leaving on their farm. Boas worked the plantations and fields at night to beat the heat, and on the 14th at about 10 p.m., Boas with his brother were tilling out the fields and both saw a bright light 300 feet above their heads. He left his brother to check it out, and when he got close, it zoomed back and forth as soon as he got close, quote, no less than 20 times. He gave up and the light disappeared. The next night, Boas worked alone and the reddish light came right on top of him. Quote, so quickly that it was on top of me before I could make up my mind what to do about it. The light was so intense that he couldn't see his own tractor lights in the dead of night, and the craft was a large, elongated egg shape with three legs extended beneath it. Boss tried to escape, but was grabbed by a small figure in strange clothes with three more, which surrounded him and lifted him up off the ground by the arms. I, I, I know that was- that must have been really terrifying. Really. Yeah. Just, just the image of him getting mugged by a bunch of like alien creatures. <laughs> like, did they at least like give the poor guy his wallet back and not like try and take his watch or anything? I mean, geez well, Louise. Well, as we know, they just slapped some gel on him, tore his clothes off. But um, well, we'll get to that, I guess. But yeah, that is it is quite the scene there. Um, and like I said, I swore I read that it was rope ladders at some point, but I. I haven't really been able to see that again. I don't know where I read that. Um, so Boas described them as the typical grays, so common in other abductions in the future. Gray suits with large round eyeglasses, three silvery tubes protruding out of their heads, small figures about 1.6 meters tall with shoes. They communicated with strange sounds not producible by humans, kind of like animal grunts, which doesn't really sound like grays to me, but okay. Well, wait, did you say small creatures that are 1.6 meters tall? Yeah. Okay, so I guess that's a. I didn't think that was that small. I, uh, excuse me. Uh, will I? <laughs> yeah, that's like four and a half, five feet or so. Is it okay? I think so. Is it three point five feet in a meter? I guess we're only our American audience will care how big of a feet is. <laughs> yeah, sorry for. <laughs> Bear with it. Yeah, five foot two. Yeah, I guess five three. Okay. I uh, I stand corrected. For some reason, I was thinking that was closer to like six feet, but I guess five five two is shorter than the general human. Okay. I guess um, yeah, maybe there's some gorilla or like commando grays because they got three silvery tubes protruding out of their heads. Yeah, and I'd like a little more explanation on that. And I believe last week you said they had uh, beady blue eyes. Right. right. Like, uh, so there's some discrepancies in the, in the sources here. 
But that's uh, what I was saying. I don't know which one's more accurate, you know. That was kind of confusing. I like, I mean, I guess I got to find the book or the original article to get a and translate it to get a really clear description here. I don't really have yeah. a first-hand account, you know. Yeah. Which bugs me because I want to know the deets, you know. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, man. Me too. I want to know, and uh, <laughs> I want to know if they just cold cocked him in the back of the head. <laughs> they were like. Like how they said, like for some reason, like that's that's like it almost as interesting to me as like what takes place on the ship is how they subdued him. Like, are they like give? Do they get him in like a headlock, and are they like, like giving him a noogie or like what a purple right. purple or like what, man? <laughs> it seems like there's a lot more manhandling going on in these earlier accounts, you know? Yeah, as um, opposed to uh, the the subtlety of just you know using uh what's the word i'm looking for psychokinesis to like <laughs> move them on board or something yeah uh, yeah psycho or telekinesis right yeah the, uh, yeah yeah like usually it's it, what is i don't even know if there is a pattern really but yeah a lot of times people seem to be just unable to move and they just kind of appear there or something i don't know um but yeah, that Brazilian chokehold, as you put it last week. Um, yeah, I slapped the rear naked choke on him, dude. Or, you know, could have uh, got him in a heel hook, and he's like, all right, all right, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> so, uh, so Boaz was stripped naked and was rubbed with a thick, clear, odorless liquid, possibly a germicide, and blood was taken from his chin with an apparatus they used which left scars but caused no pain and minor discomfort. Okay, that's a, that's just a confusing so, sentence all the way around for me. Yeah, but. yeah, no pain, just minor discomfort. All right. All right. <laughs> like he, so he was just a little bit grossed out, but it didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess it wasn't enough to be classified as pain for this author. And then um, I don't know why they're saying it's possibly a germicide, that clear odorless odorless liquid. I don't know where they got got any clues to that from, but. It's true. It could possibly be a germicide. Um, later, Boas was left alone for an hour in an empty room with a foam-like bed. The air was hard to breathe, in which, in which later made him vomit and felt better after doing so. Then Boas described a beautiful naked woman entered the room with bleach blonde hair, big slanted blue eyes, no makeup, straight nose, narrow face, very thin lips, almost invisible, soft skin which felt like there was no bone. Okay, look, if, if alien lady, if you're gonna try and do something like this, at least put some makeup on, please. I mean, that's just rude. Good God. Um, Boas stated, "Quote: Her body was much more beautiful than any I had ever seen before. It was slim, and her breasts stood up high and well separated. Her waistline was thin, her belly flat." Her hips well-developed, and her thighs were large. Her feet were small, her hands long and narrow. Her fingers and nails were normal, end quote. Sounds like, uh, sounds like one of those Robert Crumb drawings, you know, R. Crumb, that uh, <laughs> cartoonist, like, like caricature of the female form, basically. <laughs> Is this getting a little Freudian here, or what? I um, guess. Sheesh. These aliens, man. Um, so, um... Well, Boas also mentioned her pubic hair as being an odd bright red with some embarrassment. The woman came toward him, quote, quote, in silence, looking at me all the while as if she wanted something from me, end quote. 
we all know what what she wants, right? Uh, we don't. Yeah, we don't need to say it, Grant. This is a family show. Okay, let's let's uh, let's let's leave that to the you know to the, to the listener's imagination. Um, so pressing herself to him, he understood what her purpose was. Quote, I began to get excited. I ended up forgetting everything and held the woman close to me, corresponding to her favors with greater ones of my own. End quote. Apparently, they had two sexual encounters and performed a variety of acts together for about an hour, after which the woman pulled away to leave. Quote, All they wanted was a good stallion to improve their stock, quote, end quote, uh, Boas would say. He said that he enjoyed the encounter, even if the woman refused to kiss. <laughs> I like this writer. It's funny. Um, hmm. So all the important details in there. So uh, Mr. V.S. Boas is a kisser. That's his. Uh, that's his thing. Yeah. He felt no kissing. No kissing. No, so normally, no kissing would be a, a deal breaker for him. Well, if you remember, uh, instead, the quote-unquote woman preferred to bite his chin while making sounds that, in Boas's mind, sounded like, quote, animal growls. She never spoke. When they were finished, one of the other creatures entered and called out to the woman. Quote, but before leaving, she pointed to her belly and smilingly, as well as she could smile, pointed to the sky, southward, I should say. Then she went away. I interpreted the signs as meaning to say that she intended to return and take me with her to wherever it was she lived, end quote. He seemed to be concerned or even afraid about the last, quote, for he took the meaning quite seriously and wasn't sure if he was anxious to leave his familiar surroundings or his family, end quote. After fetching the woman, the creature returned Boas's clothes. He was led back to the room with the stools and table, where the crew sat and communicated with each other in their strange way, ignoring him. He felt altogether calm, quote, for I knew no harm would come to me, end quote. Now he had a chance to take stock of his surrounding, and he tried to remember all he could. He noticed that the walls were smooth, metal, and hard, with no windows anywhere. Noticing a box with, gla- with a glass top that had the appearance of a quote-unquote alarm clock, he attempted to conceal it. Noticing this, one of the crew seized it instantly and shoved him back. Jacques Vallée said that Boas described the clock as having one hand and several marks that would correspond to the 3, 6, 9, and 12 of an ordinary clock. However, though time passed, the hand did not move, and Antonio concluded that it was no clock. Man, I can't, uh, I, again, I can't get over the, these guys are some roughnecks, these aliens, like, they're like, hey, don't touch the, <laughs> don't touch the timepiece, pal, and, like, give them a physical shove. Like, it seems right. like they could have just, uh, I, <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me, just, like, an open hand push, like, back up, buddy, we'll be nice enough to show you around here, and you just had relations with Zerpzop over there. Come on, the least you can do is not steal our timepiece. It is, it is pretty strange, yeah. Like he just went up and shoved him away, and then he pulled. Like, okay, I won't my bad. It. You got me. You got me. All right. <laughs> you can't fault a guy for trying, though, can you? I mean, come on. Sorry for puking in that other room, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so funny how he casually just throws up, and then that's it as far as the puke goes. But um, quote: "The symbolism in this remark by Vilas Boas is clear." End quote. Uh, I gotta stop saying that. Sorry. Uh, ballet injects. But we are reminded of the fairy tales, of the country where time does not pass, and of that great poet who had in his room a huge white clock without hands, bearing the word, it is later than you think. 
Boas was then released from the craft, and it darted out from sight in a few seconds. It was about 5.30 in the morning when Boas returned to his tractor, by his reckoning four and a quarter hours from the time he had been picked up. He discovered the tractor had been sabotaged, presumably during the scuffle, meaning that his abductors were smart enough to know where uh, to know he would try escaping and that they had knowledge of how a tractor works. The battery wires had been detached. Okay, I'm I'm still confused about the whole tractor thing, man. Like, is this a high-speed tractor where he could just, like, can he just, like, completely haul and go, like, 60 miles an hour on this thing? I mean, the, the image of trying to escape on a tractor is hilarious to me. And this is yet another, like, quote-unquote primitive aspect where, uh, like, if they're going in there trying to, like, reverse hotwire a tractor like preemptively to make sure he can't make an escape that I, I don't see when they would have had time to do that. Or, um, right. I mean, I, I just don't get it. Maybe I'm, it doesn't, maybe it's lost. It's lost in translation perhaps, but, um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, can't, phys- yeah. I can't, I can't picture Mr. V.S. Boas like doing donuts on his John Deere trying to get out of there at high speeds. <laughs> like I don't, uh, it just doesn't add, add up to me. Yeah, I mean, who knows how advanced these these creatures are? I guess it, it it's true. It doesn't it doesn't jibe with the uh, the modern mythology of UFOs or gray aliens, right? I mean, we're we're used to talking about them shining a light into a nuclear silo and and shutting off the the launch sequence or whatever. Which, you know? Yeah, like extremely high tech stuff, and we're and also having uh, basic basically um, psychological control over. Um, unwilling participants just by looking at them and communicating with them that way. But these guys are just the only way they know how to communicate is like, you know, punch you in the temple and then shove you away when you try and take their timepiece. And, uh, you know, just like drag you kicking and screaming onto a ship. Uh, yeah. So we're either, maybe we're dealing with different, uh, different races of aliens here. Or I, I maybe it was just like, a. I don't know. Some aliens having fun. It's like cow tipping or something, you know. They're like, watch it. We're like, we'll see what we can get them to do with this female half breed. Uh, we'll put on well, our we'll put on our uh, our weird masks that have like pipes coming out of it or whatever cylinders, and um, get in a little scuffle with them and uh, shove them around a little bit while we take them on a tour. And um, I mean, yeah, in all in all awesome. seriousness, if we're to take him at his word. Um, that this and it seems it seems to be he is implying that he, his understanding of the aliens purpose was to get him to breed with right. one of their own there are so many if, if they would have had to have had knowledge of human anatomy they would have had to know the difference between males and females we would have had to have had comparable anatomy uh in order to to breed um which it seems like <laughs> from a species that is capable of like extremely high speed flight, uh, they would have had an easier way than actually physically mating with a human being. And so this is, that's just, that's a massive gaping hole in the story right there that I just can't wrap my head around. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, that's, you know, that's asking us to get into the mindset of these creatures too, which is, is hard to do you know i could think of a couple reasons maybe they maybe they were doing the extraction method and they're like nah this just isn't taking we gotta we gotta maybe the love making is part of it or or something i mean that that does hmm. sound 
far-fetched, I guess, since since we can do, um, you know. Well, they would have to know that sperm and ova are are the ways that, <laughs> that babies are made. They have to know about the birds and the bees if they're after this guy's uh, if they're after this guy's sperm. So yeah. they would have had to have known how how the sperm is made and how to extract said sperm, which is why I think maybe, as I mentioned in the previous episode, maybe that gas was hallucinogenic and he didn't actually mate with an alien. Maybe he mated or he quote unquote mated with something that just had the appearance of what in his mind was attractive, even though the chin biting happened and all that kind of weird stuff. But, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to give Mr. V.S. Boas the doubt here, the benefit of the doubt here. I'm just trying to figure out how this could have. Do you know if he was married at the time? I don't believe he was, no. Okay, I was going to say because this has the the classic, this this smacks of him going out on a bender with his buddies and uh, stumbling in at 530 going like, babe, you're not going to believe what happened to me. (laughs) One of those types of scenarios. I've I've heard it theorized that – that it would be really embarrassing for him to like come out in public with this, with a story like that, especially with, that, um, you know, the macho culture of Brazil and stuff. But then on the other hand, he's like, yeah, I'm the perfect stallion for this alien race. You know, you know what? That's true. I can see both sides of that coin. That's, uh, but, yeah. um, anyway, that your theory might come back into play here later in the episode when we look at some skepticism, but, um, Oh, okay. So um, for about three months after his encounter, Boas suffered various mild medical ailments, such as those described above, and excessive sleepiness, a trait commonly found in subsequent abduction cases. Vilas Boas, with wife Antonio Vilas, withdrew from public life to continue his studies, receiving a law degree and becoming a practicing attorney in the city of Formosa, Gojas. He died in 1992 in the city of Ubera, in Brazil's Triangulo Minero. Now, wait a minute. Some sources say that he died in 1992. These sources <laughs> right. are wrong. He died in 1993. Yeah, go back <laughs> to the last some... episode for some clear clarification on that. Um, um, yeah, I don't know why there's controversy about when he died there. Um, you know, I... As far as the lawyer thing goes, that shows he was ambitious. That shows he had a degree of intelligence. But I can tell you, um, as an attorney myself, there are varying degrees of intelligence among attorneys. There are attorneys who are um, extremely, extremely intelligent, Um, very clever people who I am in awe of. And there are other attorneys who I am ashamed to – I'm ashamed that they're a fellow member of the bar. So again, I don't know enough about V.S. Boas to say whether he's one of like, you know, uh, an honorable attorney or what kind of law he practiced or, um, uh, you know, what the what the requirements for being an attorney in in Brazil at the time were. Um, and maybe maybe that doesn't even matter. But um, I I think the fact that he was an attorney. And was willing to, I guess, you know, potentially damage his reputation as an attorney and lose out on clients, lose out on potential clients or um, uh, make people reluctant to work with him. I think that says something. So true, true. Um, 
Yeah, exactly. Why would you make up a story like that? You know, it, it would probably bring nothing but embarrassment. But as we said before, you know, you never know how those stories are going to maybe you're looking for some fortune and glory or something. But um, right. Or maybe he's looking for Maybe he was, you know, maybe they had crippling student debt way back in the 50s, too. So maybe he was looking to <laughs> maybe he was looking to make a clean break from the legal industry. He was just over it, over the <laughs> over the grueling hours. And uh, uh, but, hey, I don't know. It's all speculative at this point. And the um, now I'm curious because I wonder if he was married at the time. It doesn't seem like it. You know, it seems like he's living the bachelor life, just farming it late at night. Yeah. But, um. It's it's not really clear from this this article. I didn't really investigate that too closely, much like I didn't really look too closely at the year of his death. But um, but finally, I, I did find an account written by our old friend Kim Jones uh, oh. called Yeah, you remember Kim Jones? I do. You know, featured heavily heavily in our heavily and heavenly in our um our investigation of the different alien races that pretty much led nowhere. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But they were fun to talk about. <laughs> uh, called um, quote ten or called ten secrets of the Antonio Villas Boas alien abduction story. Looks like uh, yeah, Kim Jones is one of those bloggers that just makes a lot of top ten lists about aliens, I guess. But uh, most of the details we have already covered. But I found these interesting and was surprised that they weren't mentioned in other accounts. Um, but that's probably because they were secrets, you know. Um, Good point. So number three on the list was the first room where Boas was being taken had a large doorway with strange looking red symbols on the door panels, which had no resemblance to any earthly symbol. Um, number 10. I, I wonder what that means. No resemblance and like there, there are lines and squiggles on there that don't exist on earth. Yeah. I mean, I guess no resemblance I, to any written language or something. Uh, Okay. You know, yeah, that makes it's sense. mysterious. But uh, I I did put a picture which which I believe is our uh, representations of these symbols. I did it last episode and I'll I'll do it again this week. Um, yeah, they're basically kind of lines, curvy lines, kind of look like check marks or something with some some dashes and dots. Um, it's couple couple of wavy lines. That's a quote from Go- that's, that's from Ghostbusters. Remember that when he gets yeah. shocked? Okay, anyway, sorry. I recognize, yeah. No, wait, I'm not sorry. That's one thing we don't do here. We don't apologize on Are You For Real? Please, please. Um, and then number 10 of the, the top 10 secrets of the Boas case is uh, the whole abduction happened for a span of four hours. But as per Boas, he could not make out that so much time had gone by. It's probably because, like, you know, time flies when you're having fun, really. Sounds um, like he was having a blizzard. Yeah, that's that was an out of this world experience. But no, you know that time lapse stuff. I I never I never yeah I didn't see any other accounts that really mentioned how long it took or anything like that, how much time had passed. So, but that was kind of interesting. The my favorite thing about the Kim Jones article though is is one of the pictures there. It's like I don't know if it's taken from a movie, but it's just like a guy laying in bed next to a, a green girl or something. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty maybe good. it's I'm, from I'm, uh. Uh, the Star Trek, uh, the the one with Chris Pine, you know, the, the one of the newer Star Trek movies. I think there no, was something like that. I don't think so. Uh, it could have been, actually. But uh, this looked like it was more from like the 80s or 90s. 
production wise, but uh, I don't All know. Right. I've been falling off the Instagram, but maybe I'll maybe I'll slap that one up there because um, you know sex sells. It does. Um, but yeah, um, I kind of mentioned it last week, but especially this account, it it does really sound kind of dreamlike. I would say, wouldn't you? I mean, I know these these cases always have high strangeness and there's always weird details, but just like I could just picture that in a dream where you're just like farming and like, Oh, there's light coming, you know, like, what is that? And then you get in a scuffle with some strange beings. And then, uh, next thing you know, you're getting taken in on board a UFO and slathered in some jelly. You start puking and then you have all of a sudden it turns sexual. Then you just get like led around in these led around on a tour. And these guys are just kind of ignoring you. I mean, who's to say someone didn't, this just occurred to me, and I'm just spitballing here, but who's to say someone didn't just try and steal his tractor and uh, found out they couldn't do it? I mean, who's to say he didn't just get KO'd and then, you know, go into dreamland, uh, have some crazy, fantastic dream while he was out there laying in the farm uh, by his tractor? I don't know. Again, just spitballing here. But, but. I mean, I, I personally, in my own experience, I mean, I, I'm sure other people have different experiences, but it. You know, there's always a clear distinction. Distinction, no matter how vivid the dream is, like what what's a dream and what's real. But maybe that's uh, obnoxious to say. You know, who knows what reality is? I'm just rowing my boat gently down the stream. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we all do, man. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it is. It is kind of strange. Um. Although it doesn't explain the sightings of the nights before, which which could be coincidences, I suppose, of the lights, or maybe that led to these dreams. Or yeah, something. yeah, I think that's actually kind of consistent with that. Then maybe he saw a crazy shooting star or something, just something weird, man. Who knows? I mean, this was in the fifties, so it wasn't you know pre-flight era or anything by by a long stretch. This was post Roswell. Um, the idea, I'm sure, um, <clears throat> the when when Roswell happened in 47, I'm sure that was a massive, massive deal, not just in America, but I'm sure that, um, you know, that was world news that the U.S. Air Force originally claimed that they had <laughs> recovered a flying saucer. So if some – that that permeates the world uh, – what's the word you always say, zeitgeist? Is that mm-hmm. the – is that the – I think that's – Oh, that's what I always word. say, but I mean – yeah. yeah. Um, mythology popular, yeah yeah that that, that permeates uh, that crosses cultural boundaries man if uh, if someone in I don't know Zimbabwe like if, if they said hey we got this flying saucer here here's some pictures of it that's going to cause massive implications throughout the world so it's not entirely impossible impossible that Mr. Vias Boas um, had been inspired by Roswell or um, had subtly been, I don't know, influenced by, I'm trying to think of the right word, um, affected by it, I guess. True. I mean, yeah, this is kind of late in the UFO game. All, I mean, all that Roswell stuff and the UFOs over Washington again, and the, mm-hmm. I can't remember any of the, uh, the names of it, but what was it? McGovern or something? The, uh, you know, the, annou- the public announcement from the U S about, about the Washington DC craft. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. I mean, you know. yeah. So it's not I mean, that this this was I mean, that was late forties, you know, like early fifties and stuff. So, 
yeah. this stuff happening uh, and really coming to light in the 60s. You know, that's that's a good good amount of time for uh, stories to get passed around, I, I would say. Yeah. I'm not – I mean, lots of people yeah, absolutely. Watch- yeah, and, and, you know, again, I, I think um, – you know, TV was starting to, I mean, you had to be pretty, pretty wealthy to have TVs in the fifties. I'm pretty sure. Um, but radio, I mean, radio was, was everywhere and all that kind of stuff. Um, just just permeated. Yeah. It was permeated everything. I don't have no idea when war of the worlds was, but I assume it was back then. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Famous radio (laughs) broadcast. Um, well, I mean, HG Wells was around quite before that. Right. So, um, I, uh, a few things just occurred to me though so it could be um if we mix the two stories as as we related yesterday or yesterday but uh last last week and just now um if his tractor truly was the battery detached maybe it was like because he said he was fleeing the way the story was portrayed on wikipedia was that he was fleeing on his tractor and then it stopped so maybe it wasn't like they were just like scuffling with him and some guy ran around the back and unhooked his tractor you know but it was more like a, you know some light or something or they just did it telekinetically um the other thing is if he was married at the time maybe he uh disappeared for four hours one night and um came back seeming like he had sex and and maybe smelling a puke from boozing like you said um or not even the puke part that could just be part of the story but uh you know what I mean? And he didn't want anyone stealing that tractor, so he like unhooked it or I don't know. Yeah, that's what that's what I was saying, man. Like uh the honey, you're not gonna believe what happened to me type thing. Like uh uh it, it makes him it makes him a more of a victim than right. an active than a willing participant in but again, I don't even know if he was married or not at that time. Yeah, or if he had that's any funny. reason to be ashamed about it. Yeah. Right, right. And he uh <laughs> yeah then he just keeps, keeps upping the antes like i'm going to the reporters with this story it's crazy um but let's get into uh some uh some skepticism and theories for what may have happened to boas if he wasn't actually abducted and seduced by aliens um what would you say to the idea that instead of being abducted by aliens boas had been abducted by the cia cia and a prostitute um you've kind of i would I would say that is not as likely. I would say it's more likely that he got abducted by aliens. <laughs> Either way, we're going for some conspiracy theories here, huh? But yes. um, yes. Well, the idea seems to have been planted by none other than Jacques Vallée himself. Um, this is from an article posted by Jack Brewer on UFOtrail.com entitled "Vallée Declines to Substantiate Claim of CIA Simulating UFO Abductions." Quote, Dr. Jacques Vallée declined to attempt to fully substantiate the assertion contained in his book, Forbidden Science, Volume 4, that he secured a document confirming the CIA simulated UFO abductions in Brazil and Argentina. Quote, I felt a duty to call attention to the issue, Vallée explained in a December 17th email, but chose not to share the document or address pertinent questions surrounding its circumstances. If you talk to serious researchers in Latin America, you will find they're not as naive in this field as U.S. ufologists, he added. It's pretty tough talk from Valet. Um, however, it was not researchers in Latin America who made the assertion. 
The 2019 book authored by Valet contains a statement, quote, I have a secured document or I have secured a document confirming that the CIA simulated UFO abductions in Latin America, Brazil and Argentina, as psychological warfare experiments. End quote. The widely renowned UFO <laughs> the widely renowned UFO researcher was sent an email by the UFO trail requesting comment including any context he might provide or clarify if the statement was, in hindsight, made an error. The email also made it clear a copy of the document was ultimately being sought or as much identifying information as possible. Valet chose not to address those questions and issues. The email inqu- inquiry explained, quote, I hope you can empathize with the potential weight of the statement and why researchers would be quite interested in establishing facts surrounding its circumstances. Valet replied in full, Dear Jack, thanks for your message. I appreciate your interest in the book. As you know, the question of the use of ufology to camouflage various commando or social engineering operations is an old one. It is a subset of psyops techniques that have been used for a very long time, projecting images of the Virgin Mary over the battle lines in Verdun in 1917, or religious images over Cuba from a sub in the Bay of Pigs, etc., Much more competent historical writers than me have documented all that, and Latin America is only a later-day extension. I'm not an expert in any of it, but my computer surveys tend to go tilt, that's in all caps with an exclamation mark, when some relevant cases come up. So I don't have a dog in the political fight. I'm just trying to avoid polluting my databases with garbage. That's why I felt a duty to call attention to the issue. If you talk to serious researchers in Latin America, you will find that they are not as naive in this field as U.S. ufologists. With best wishes of the season, Jacques. <laughs> Dude, you know what? That's going to be my new sign-off whenever I sign off from email. <laughs> so no, none of this best regards stuff. No, no more kind regards. No more regards. I'm going to do best wishes of the season. That's what I'm going to that's what I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna crib that from Jacques Vallée. Well, it was December seventeenth email. So, um, but uh, a follow-up email was sent to Vallée stating that while it has indeed been established that the intelligence community exploits the subject of UFOs for many potential reasons, it was hoped he could appreciate that actual confirmation of CIA abduction simulations would be extraordinary indeed. He was asked if he could. Uh, if it would be correct to say that there is not a document confirming that to be the case. He did not immediately reply. A draft of this blog post was subsequently shared with Dr. Valet prior to publishing. It was done in an effort to report the circumstances as accurately as possible and offer him a final opportunity to comment further. Quote, I don't have any further comments on the substance of the request or, obviously, about my source, which I'm obligated to protect, he replied in a December 19th email. Quote, most of the documents I have referred to or used in the compilation of my diaries have been donated to a university with a 10-year embargo on access, specifically to avoid the kind of spurious quarrels that erupt in ufology on a regular basis. So I expect that historical details like these will see the light of day in due course. He's, he's getting a little surly, I think. Oh, well, did he at least say warmest regards for the winter or whatever? <laughs> they didn't include that. Um, oh, jeez. So what he's saying, okay, help help me sum this up here. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's saying that the CIA was doing 
could have been doing some kind of uh, covert operations with mind control on an unwilling subject in a uh, sovereign country. Yes. Okay. Is that about right? Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. They're that seems they're going very in there risky. Like, that seems very risky. Why don't they just do that on Americans? <laughs> that seems going all the way down. To, I mean, look, that would be a, if that's if that's true. That's abhorrent wherever you do it on. But right. I mean, there's a, the, I mean, you risk starting a war with another country if uh, if you're caught doing crap like that in a sovereign nation. But that's anyway, a, that's a very good point. And I mean, he's also making these claims without like refusing to turn over any evidence or, you know, which I, which makes sense if he needs to protect his source for top secret information, but it's kind of a, a big claim to make, you know, with, yeah, as yeah. you said, uh, some, some pretty widespread implications there. Um, yeah. And, and uh, in a hilarious way, I guess I'm almost more inclined to go with the, the aliens. It was aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just keep picturing Marty McFly and in, in Back to the Future, you know, um, going back and and uh, pretending to be a, a creature from space to his dear old dad <laughs> to influence him. But um, so uh, next, this idea is explored in more detail, especially in regards to the Boas case by Nick Redfern on MysteriousUniverse.org. And uh, I got to say, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a pretty good researcher and have enjoyed his podcast, Mysterious Universe, and would highly recommend it. Got to give the shout out to another podcast. That's our trademark now. That's uh, what we do, man. Give credit uh, where credit's yeah. due. Uh, that's cool. They're, I think they're um, they're either Australian or New, Ze- New Zealish. Uh, I don't know how you say New, it. New Zealanders. New Zealanders? Yeah. Um, wait, what was the one where you said that, like, strange, ri- strange rivals? What was yeah. The one? <laughs> stranger, stranger, no, Stranger. I thought, okay, the one you recommended was it last week, Strange Arrivals. I thought mm-hmm. you said Stranger Rivals, and so I thought that's an actual – I mean, I think that's actually a great idea for a podcast called Stranger Rivals, where we talk <laughs> right. about people who you would not think who are rivals but are actually rivals to each other. I think that would be pretty cool. But anyway, that was just me mishearing uh, you on these god-awful headphones that I have. <laughs> no, I think it's just my speech patterns, which – I should not be uh, talking into a microphone to the public, I think. <laughs> I, I am a horrified by my diction every time I, uh, I listen in. But um, Oh, you're too hard on yourself, man. <clears throat> oh, definitely. And I apologize for that. <gasps> so as, as you'll see from the information, uh, this is a quote from mysteriousuniverse.org oh by the way did you uh did you ever listen to strange arrivals i did not get the chance to man it's been a rowdy week all that turkey and everything i should have but sorry dude that's fine that's fine i'm disappointed but it's fine um so uh quote as you'll see from the information contained in the link above valet and brewer had an interesting discussion about all of this although at this stage it appears not to have been resolved in relation to what the document is and how all of these matters relate to those simulated ufo abductions in brazil and argentina that's that's in quotes um there's a distinct possibility maybe even a probability that this all relates to a very weird and highly controversial affair that went down in brazil way back in the 1950s 
Antonio Villas Boas was a Brazilian man who claimed in late 1975 to have had wild sex with an equally wild babe from the stars after having been kidnapped and taken on board a UFO. An early alien abduction? Yep. Or maybe not. In the late 1970s, UFO researcher Rich Reynolds had contact with a man named Bosco Nilkovic who had links to the world of intelligence, who spent time working in South America and who claimed that the Villas-Boas affair was not what it appeared to be. He told Rich that, in reality, Villas-Boas was the unwitting player in a new and bizarre experiment. According to Nedelkovic, Nedelkovic, the uh, the UFO that Villas-Boas saw over his family's property was really a helicopter. Not only that, Villas-Boas was supposedly hit by some kind of mind-altering aerosol spray that quickly placed him into an altered state after the pilot of the helicopter flew right over him and at a low level. As for the girl from the stars, she was said to have really been a hooker, a girl hired by Vilas Boas on the closest encounter of all. But it was all a ruse, a mind-bending event designed to fabricate a UFO incident. Like it or not, but the fact that Vilas Boas's own words suggest strongly that he was indeed taken on board a helicopter. But the fact is that his own words suggest that strongly, which I think that's making a leap there. But uh, I think most so, helicopters have windows. <laughs> right. So read Vilas Boas's very own words carefully. The craft, he said, was like an elongated egg. On the top of the craft, there was something which was revolving at great speed and also giving off a powerful fluorescent reddish light. Rotor blades? Probably. Yes. As the craft took to the skies, it made a loud noise, quote, a sort of beat, which is a perfect description of the noise associated with a helicopter. Put all those factors together, and it sounds very much like Vilas Boas was hauled aboard a helicopter and not onto a flying saucer. So first off, I want to know what their source is because – the, the description that Vilas Boas is giving a lot of details that I would like to relay. Right. Well. And my God, helicopters are deafening, man. Like right. it's not just, it's not something that can just like go either. I mean, like, especially back in the fifties, I'm sure helicopters weren't exactly like super high speed. Like it's not like Marine one is like descending on, on him or anything like that. He would have heard the, the loud deafening and there would have been wind flying all over the place. And there was no right. description of that. Now I could see a, you know, a large carrier helicopter type craft. Um, that would be, that would not have like windows all over, but an egg shaped one. And he doesn't say an egg with a tail on it, you know, that, I mean, that right. There's no, yeah. And, and the tripod thing, I don't, I've never seen yeah. a, a helicopter with a tripod. Landing oh, we'll get thing. into the, the tripod here. Um, but as, as the, the Washington Post noted, Nidalkovic was, quote, a linguist with the American Defense College at Fort McNair and a tenacious promoter of building a utopian society that blended elements of socialism and free market capitalism. The Post further noted that Nidalkovic died of prostate cancer on December 25th, 1999 at the Northern Virginia Hospice. As you will see from this link, Nidalkovic had correspondence with the CIA. Other correspondence between Nidalkovic and the CIA exists, but it is not online. At least the bulk of it isn't. For the record, Nidalkovic also told Rich Reynolds that he knew of other simulated faked cases of alien contact. One of them, said Nidalkovic, was a man named Arthur Bryant, who claimed a contactee-type close encounter in April 1965. 
Bryant died just a few years later from a particularly aggressive brain tumor. The inference was that Bryant's exposure to microwave-based technology of a government agency had caused the tumor. You can read the whole story in a very strange but highly readable 1967 book written by UFO investigator Eileen Buckle. It is called The Scoriton Mystery. Did Adamski return? Running to slightly more than 300 pages in length, the book is essential reading for those who may want to pursue this whole saga further. It's pretty rare and not cheap to buy. It will be interesting to see where all of this is going to lead, given the breaking news from Jack Brewer and the words of Jacques Vallée. One final thing. Rich Reynolds told me a couple of days ago that Jacques Vallée was the first person that he, Rich, mailed the Nidalkovic material to. For the record, that was decades ago. So, while I don't want to make too many assumptions or guesses, I do think that the document that is being discussed here at Mysterious Universe and at the UFO Trail blog is one of two things. A, the document is something we haven't seen before, or B, it's the package of material that Rich sent to Valet years ago, and which is very interesting, but which has been discussed in the UFO research community for a number of years. If it's a CIA document that is being discussed, it's a potentially big thing. If, however, it all traces back to Nedelkovic, who is long dead, then it's down to the claims he made and which should be pursued. Hmm. So... You know, what do you think of this concept? It seems like it could be a, a logic circle if these rumors all stem from the same unfounded claims, uh, which need to be verified. Um, it always strikes me as kind of far-fetched, honestly, um, or it all does. Uh, is this just some kind of reflection of American attitudes of superiority where the uh, quote-unquote modern USA military is going down to these quote-unquote backwards countries and tricking them like marty mcfly going back to the past and, and back to the future um this attitude seems kind of silly as obviously these countries really weren't backwards and and by this time you know it's after world war ii there was a, a huge german and italian population in these countries at, at least in argentina now i'm going in circular logic like arguing with myself but i, I think you follow right i mean no i absolutely do and i think you're spot on man um i again just doesn't pass the smell test you know right. like if it's if we get a hand on the on these supposed documents of LA's then you know then we'd have some answers but now all we can do is speculate yeah and i i mean it ignores first off i want some of this aerosol spray like what is this stuff why isn't it on the market here um, <laughs> that's that's an insane that's one hell of a drug they got there and um no kidding. Wow. Yeah. yeah this gel, why are they getting irradiated? Um, lots of a questions lot of, here. A lot of unanswered questions, man. And if they've aerosolized LSD or something, then that's, uh, I don't know. Have they aerosolized LSD? It even if they, like, I mean, even if they did, uh, I don't, from what I understand, I don't think LSD, I mean, I guess depending on the dose or something, but, uh, well, who knows? I mean, maybe if it was ayahuasca or, or something a little stronger, but uh, I don't know, man. Uh, that's yeah, quite a hallucination a, there, you know? Um, yeah. And I think this guy with a tractor might be familiar with helicopters, but I don't know. And I, 
he described it. I mean, that's yeah, that's where I, I, I hate that's, that. That's ridiculous. Like the, the fact that he wouldn't know what a helicopter was. I mean, come on now. Like right. uh, implying that it's a helicopter and he's just too too ignorant to know what a, what a helicopter was even in the fifties. Like, come on now. Right. Yeah. And cheese. That's I, I don't I don't buy that. But again, I wish I wish I did have the original source material that they seem to have about the account because uh, you know on on both of ours it was described as like a a dome or a, a cupola cupola. Yeah, yeah. Um, a cup of noodles. If he would have just called it a cup of noodles, I would know exactly what he was talking about. And right. now I want ramen. Thanks, Grant. A cup, Thanks a lot. Cup, I really want ramen now. A cup of Coca Cola. <laughs> um, but um. I uh, kind of on another tangent here. I can say that my uh, my wife is Argentinian, my beautiful wife, and she tells me that UFO lore is pretty big down there, and and there are a lot of uh, UFO cases. There's a mountain called Pero Uritorco. No, no, not Pero. Cerro Uritorco. <laughs> Working on my Argentinian, it's not very good. Um, uh, your Argentinian Espanol. <laughs> yeah. See, um, this is kind of like a you know, it's uh, but this place is it's kind of like an Argentinian Roswell where you can buy UFO memorabilia. And uh, next time I go down to to Argentina, I'm definitely gonna have to make a pilgrimage over there and check it out. Dude, that um, sounds awesome. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but that being said, I did find some other information that seems to point to abduction cases being in the mind of the beholder. This is from an article entitled "Quote: Alien Abduction Research Suggests Episodes Are Actually Lucid Dreams" by Natalie. Wolchover on HuffPost.com. Quote, abductees think their traumatic experiences were real. However, most psychologists think abductions are lucid dreams or hallucinations triggered by an awareness of other people's similar experiences. One recent experiment in which participants trained in lucid dreaming techniques were able to dream up vivid alien encounters uh, supports this hypothesis. But if each perceived abduction is just the latest in a series of hallucinations, what was it that triggered the first dream or, or delusion? How was the alien abduction story born? I think you know where we're heading with this one. Mm. <laughs> but uh, paranormal investigators say it all started in the 1940s and 50s. The space age was upon us, and sci-fi literature was soaring in popularity with human-alien encounters a recurring theme. In July 1946, Planet Comics ran a strip in which aliens used a luminous tractor beam to kidnap a voluptuous female Earthling, whom they called Specimen 9. They tell her that the abduction is part of Project Survival. And as they steer their spaceship toward what looks like Saturn, the leader remarks, Now home. And if you find our methods ruthless, Specimen 9, it is because our needs are desperate. <laughs> I like how we keep like researching where where the mythology started. It's always like a different comic strip or right. Page. So apparently it was it was all over pop culture. I mean, again, when reading uh, Communion, Whitley Strieber said you you couldn't grow up in the fifties without being aware of of UFOs. Like it was they were big deals, you know, um, or flying saucers, I should say. But uh, so likewise, in 1954, a comic strip appearing in the British tabloid The Daily Express detailed the alien abduction of a Royal Air Force pilot. Dozens of other abduction stories graced the pages of sci-fi novels and comic books. Eventually, sporadic reports of real-life violent interactions with aliens began to surface. Most important to this narrative, in 1954, two Venezuelan teenagers claimed to have stumbled upon a spaceship in the woods near their village. 
small hairy aliens attacked them and injured one of the boys before they they were able to beat the creatures back using an unloaded rifle as a club and escape to safety (laughs) (laughs) get back jack i got a gun (laughs) that's a flight of the navigator reference for all you people compliance yeah, classic for people our age, uh, Tom and I's age. Um, according to Luis Gonzalez, a UFO expert and skeptic based in Argentina, a magazine article describing this alleged incident seems to have triggered the first alien abduction claim three years later. In 1957, a Brazilian writer named João Martins uh, – I'm sorry. Um, Is it J-A-O? J- J-O accented A-O. God, I, I don't know how to pronounce that either. I've seen that written before, but Huajo. Huajo, I'll say. I'm, I don't know either. Huajo <laughs> Martins penned the first installment of a series titled Flying Saucer's Terrible Mission for the magazine O Cruzeiro. There he describes cases of people in isolated places attacked by small alien beings, the famous 1954 cases in Venezuela, among others. Gonzalez told Life's Little Mysteries. Martins also asked his readers to write him with their own experiences. Among hundreds of responses, he selected one of a young farmer from Minas Gerais with whom he exchanged several letters. The next year, Martins paid for the 23-year-old farmer to come to Rio de Janeiro, where he was examined by Dr. Olavo Fontes. The farmer's name was Antonio Villas Boas to the surprise of nobody listening, I hope. And he claimed to have been abducted by aliens one day after reading Martin's article. Dr. Fontes sent a detailed report about the Villas-Boas case to the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, but, Gonzalez explained, they decided it was too fantastical to publish. Nevertheless, the story circulated between the experts, he wrote. Eventually, the story got out. Walter Bueller of the Brazilian ufology group SBEDV and a follower of the self-described alien contactee George Adamski learned about Vilas Boas's story and in 1962 Bueller visited the young farmer in his hometown. The SBEDV subsequently published a report on the Vilas Boas case in English and the account aligned with Adamski's earlier descriptions of aliens and their spaceships. In January 1965 an international journal called the Flying Saucer Review reproduced Bueller's report worldwide. The story provides the blueprint for what would later become in an archetypical or archetypal alien abduction report. Vilas Boas was plowing fields at night to avoid the scorching temperature of the day when he saw the red light of a spaceship. It slowly approached him and landed nearby in a field. Vilas Boas tried to escape, but he was captured by small humanoid creatures, which dragged him into the craft. The aliens conducted a series of experiments on the <laughs> The dragging, the dragging him into the craft gets me every time, man. Kicking and screaming, I, I hope. But um, the aliens conducted a series of experiments on their captive, including taking samples of his body tissue, exposing him to gas that made him violently ill, and compelling him to have sexual intercourse with a female alien who was, Vilas Boas said, very attractive, with blonde hair and blue cat-like eyes. A few details hint that the story was fabricated or imagined. According to Kintaro Mori, a paranormal investigator who blogs at Forget Forgetto Mori. If you read Vilas Boas's account, you may notice the advanced aliens nonetheless use rope ladders. Now oh, that's where it came from. Okay. 
So, quote, if you read Vilas Boas's account, you may notice the advanced aliens nonetheless used rope ladders, a very adorable detail. Mori wrote in an email, moreover, Vilas Boas's original sketch of the alien spaceship with three legs looks remarkably like the drawings of Sputnik 1, often depicted with three of its four antennas showing. The Sputnik surely was the talk of the time in 1957 when Vilas Boas was supposedly abducted or imagined his story. And there was, of course, the fact that the young farmer had just read stories of alien encounters in the pages of O Cruzeiro. Cruzeiro. <laughs> uh, Vilas Boas was a farmer, but not a common one, Mori wrote. He went on to become a lawyer. He reportedly created himself models of the spaceship he saw. Two indications he was a cultured and creative person, contrary to what many ET proponents who like to suggest he was simply an ignorant, stupid peasant who wouldn't invent such a story. In fact, those to whom he told the story first didn't believe him. According to Mori and Gonzalez, either Martins, the writer who invited Vilas Boas to Rio de Janeiro, or Dr. Fontes, the doctor who examined him, thought the farmer was fabricating the whole thing. That's why they didn't immediately publish the report themselves, and why it took several years to break out. I kind of missed the time scale, but so did he still have sores? I mean, it looks like there was a little bit of turnaround time, huh? Or... I guess he went to them right away, but um, <clears throat> uh, well, I shouldn't. I, I'm not going to figure it out now, I guess. But um, yeah, maybe he went to them right away, and the story did, just didn't gain popularity until later. Um, so in the year Good between, question. Uh, in the year between Vilas Boas's alleged abduction and its worldwide publicity, another incident occurred, and it was publicized first by a few months. In 1961, Betty and Barney Hill, an American couple, encountered what they thought was an alien spacecraft in rural New Hampshire while on a late-night drive. Betty's sister had previously claimed to have seen a flying saucer, so it occurred to Betty that this was what she and her husband were seeing also. They later remembered that the spaceship stalked them for several miles. A few nights after the alleged encounter, Betty started having vivid, nightmarish dreams about being abducted and examined by the aliens in the spaceship. She thought these dreams were suppressed memories. The couple spoke of their experience in private church meetings and eventually started attending hypnotic sessions with Dr. Benjamin Simon, a psychiatrist in Boston. Simon concluded that Barney's recall of the UFO encounter was a false memory inspired by Betty's dreams. Nonetheless, the story of their abduction leaked. Quote, the Hill case went public on October 25th, 1965, when it appeared in the newspaper The Boston Traveler, Gonzalez wrote. The newspaper article led to a popular book, which inspired a made-for-TV movie. Alien, abdu- <laughs> Alien abductions finally became mainstream ufology in the 1960s and onwards, Maury wrote. The Vilas Boas and Hill cases were both arguably the original inspiration for the untold number of abduction accounts that have followed. The Brazilian farmer's alleged encounter happened first, but the Hill story was the first, by a matter of months, to enter collective consciousness. Either way, both incidents were themselves prompted by the surging belief in UFOs across Western cultures at the dawn of the space age. For the first time in history, humanity was looking to the stars and perceiving them as not so far away. Mm. Um, Yeah, so kind of a long-winded article, not really saying too much, but... uh, no, I thought it made some good points. Um, yeah. It, it specifically, you know, that time period, the, the the mere thought of space travel, I think, was super just, I mean, God, I'm sure every little boy and girl who grew up wanted to be an astronaut. 
wanted to go, you know, explore um, new and exotic planets and everything. And um, yeah, it's uh, that can't be overstated. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. Just to dismiss all of these testimonials is, uh, like I said, it always rubs me the wrong way when skeptics just come in and say, ah. They were making it up. Look at there was a product. About of, it it's a product of the time. The, the whole product of the time thing. I, I get it. I, I agree that it's it's irritating when it's dismissed like that. But, uh, but I, I don't know, man. Yeah, uh, I, I mean think we've been over this this quite a bit. Yeah, I mean testimony sure. only goes so far. And um, and look, man. I mean, we're not we're not going to get to the bottom of this case. We're not going to solve it. That's not what we do here. We have rousing fun uh interesting discussions about stuff and we're not here to persuade anyone one way or the other so that's what i like about what we do man that's a that's the pat on the that's the pat on our back <laughs> can you hear can you hear us pat, me patting us on our backs right man i was I'm, I'm kicking myself now for not trying to track down Felis boas's original account but it it was hard to find here um but um well, I got one more article here, and this is this is taken from uh, you know, this one uh, kind of explores the idea that these abduction tales should be seen as a psychological phenomenon rather than a physical one, and it's entitled uh, "Probing Extraterrestrial Abduction" by Marcelo Gleiser from NPR.org. Is this wait before you even get into this? Do they talk about uh, sleep paralysis? I don't think they really do. Actually, I think okay. this one's just kind of like. Well, you'll see. Um, okay. Quote, the Orville, basically it's making the case for why we should be more likely to dismiss these rather than, um, you know, rather than take them seriously, I guess. But, uh, quote, the overwhelming majority of scientists categorically deny that narratives of abductions are real in any way. Most cases are, if not plain hoaxes, the product of various kinds of abnormal psychological states. American researcher and skeptic Peter Rogerson questioned the veracity of Vilas Boas's narrative, arguing that an article about alien abduction had appeared in the widely popular mo- magazine O Cruzeiro in November 1957. He noted that Vilas Boas's story only started to gain popularity in 1958 and that Vilas Boas could have pre- uh, predated his encounter to give it more credibility. Also, Rogerson argued that Vilas Boas was influenced, as were many other abductees, by the popular sensationalist narratives of ufologist Georges Adamski. And he keeps popping up. Yeah. You remember, you remember we looked at that, and that, that didn't hold a lot of water. Basically. No. It was just a straight liar. But, no, uh, and I just – that name – um, that name always stuck out with me because I wasn't sure when I was first learning about – UFOs as a kid, if his name was Adamski or Adamski, and I'm pretty sure it's Adamski, but okay. uh, I, I had a friend so. named I had a friend named Adam, and I called him Adamski. <laughs> I'm sure he loved that. So Adam, if you're out there, what's up, Adamski? <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm hoping it's Adamski because that's what I've settled on. Obviously. No, that's what I've settled but, uh, on too. Yeah. Um. So um. Most abduction stories have elements in common with that of Vilas Boas, kidnapping in an alien spaceship, medical exams that center around the human reproductive system, or explicit sexual contact with extraterrestrials, and mysterious marks left on the body. Carl Sagan, in his wonderful book Demon Haunted World, brings these elements together, arguing for a connection between what abductees say now and what narratives of mysterious sexual night encounters have been saying for ages. 
There are mythologies dating back thousands of years. For example, from Sumerian Sumerian, uh, folklore of 2400 BCE, where a demon in either male or female form seduces people in their sleep. Saints Augustine and Thomas Aquinas wrote of the incubus and succubus demons that come during sleep to have sexual relations with unwilling humans. Similar stories appear in cultures across the world. Now, is that evidence against these visits or evidence for? That's that's the big question, right? True that, man. And for some reason, I there's on one of those soundboard things that were so popular so many years ago, there's a clip of Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> okay. I don't know what I don't know what movie that's from, but he goes, Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> but um that that's funny that scientists use that to say like, well, there's nothing there because there's these stories pop up in cultures across the world, you know, so that points to it being not true. <laughs> I mean Yeah, I it cuts both ways, man. And it depends exactly. on how you want to look at it. Um, yeah. You know, there's... Uh, it could just be a psychological phenomenon, or it could be a paranormal phenomenon. Which one is the correct one, Grant? I don't know. It cuts both ways, man. Yeah. Well, one of them seems to dismiss what, what people believe just because it doesn't it doesn't match with the reality as, as you understand it. Um, I don't know. It's a, yeah, I don't know. I, I think you're right. We're not going to solve it. I don't, I don't know either, man. I don't think, uh, like I you just, said, you don't need to read a book to, to not, to know fairies don't exist. So that's true, man. I have to say, uh, that's, that seems to be what scientists are saying too. Um, but it just seems, yeah, it just seems like a a funny way to look at the evidence, you know, kind of a confirmation bias way to look at it, you know. Um, but meanwhile, the nearest star to Earth is about four light years away. Our fastest spaceship would have would take some 100,000 years to get there. If intelligent aliens exist and came here, they would have technologies technologies beyond anything we can dream of, capable of fast interstellar travel, able to come and go without a trace. One also has to wonder about the alleged repetition of exams focusing on our sexual organs. Given their alleged alleged uh, technological prowess, you'd have to also believe that alien medical tech would be a bit more capable than it has been portrayed in abduction lore. I think a point that you made well earlier. Uh, J. William Schopf, a, a paleontologist in the University of California, once said that extraordinary claims demand extraordinary evidence. Again, a, a, a point made by Tom many times. Uh, in the case of alien abductions, it seems that very ordinary explanations are to be believed in the absence of extraordinary evidence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, this is not to say that scientists wouldn't love to have evidence of extraterrestrial life, especially intelligent life. But the fundamental pro- uh, precept of science is to base claims on evidence backed by verifiable data. Otherwise, why give scientific claims any credibility? 
And then I kind of wrote down the, the point I made earlier, you know, what do you think? I, I find it funny that seeing these stories shared across different cultures throughout history is used to d- dismiss these claims as basically not being real, even though in modern times we basically treat these stories as a kind of folklore or mythology, even when they are reported by seemingly rational people over and over again. Um, are we just repeating the same reactions of our ancestors when faced with a story that we cannot prove and that defies our understanding of reality? Well, I think I think the stories start to make more sense, and I, they start to have a little bit more credibility um, with the release of of footage. Uh, stuff like the Phoenix Lights, stuff like uh, Go Fast, Gimbal, uh, you know, Nimitz, that kind of stuff. And when we have people in both elected and non-elected positions of of power saying, hey, we're not quite sure what these things are. Um, They seem to be capable of things that we're not capable of. Um, So, I, I mean, whether that gives more credence to the story that V.S. Boas was saying about his supposed abduction in Brazil, I don't know. But I think it definitely gives more credence to the idea that we're perhaps being visited by things that we don't understand. Right. Or are they just experimental craft? That's also a possibility as well. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to leave this case open here. I think so, and I hate leaving cases open, Grant. We're still we're batting we're batting zero for solving. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> true. We haven't cracked any of these cases yet, unfortunately. Um, man, I I really I really do just want to read uh, Vilas Boas's straight ahead account of it because you know just the minor details. I mean, that's where the the devil's in the details, you know. Me too. And any of our any of our uh, Brazilian friends or um, people from Portugal who have access to. Uh, um, you know, maybe a possibly translated version of his story. Um, if he, if he even wrote one a memoir, <laughs> uh, that would be really neat. Uh, cause I, it's interesting if this is, I mean, even if it's complete hogwash, it's an interesting story to me. And at the very least, I love the image of, uh, him just getting walloped by a bunch of, uh, of, uh, <laughs> of aliens <laughs> and dragged, <laughs> onto a spacecraft somehow yeah i do think that's an interesting pattern that all the um basically pre betty and barney hill ones it seems like are uh involved some kind of physical violence like that remember that's the stockton crew that we were talking about yeah. last week yes and, uh, Stockton, son, what <laughs> and then vilas boas and those those venezuelan kids with the with the empty rifle yep anyway but uh, I think that's about it for now. We've been been going pretty long here on this story. We go um, the extra mile for you listeners, but you know what? You're going to be rewarded with a treat next uh, next episode here. Should we <laughs> spill the beans, or should we just uh, uh, let's let's not spill the beans yet? Let's uh, let's no. keep everyone let's keep everyone interested. We got a special guest coming up for you next uh, next yeah, episode. We're, we're really excited about it. So. Um, there's been some clues, I think, in the last few episodes, but uh, you'll have to listen. You have to do a Where's Waldo and just keep looking for clues in our uh, <laughs> in our <laughs> previous lines. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Well, uh, well, ciao, ciao, Tom, ciao, ciao to all ciao, our realists Grant. out there. Yeah. Trying to make that a thing. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, we love you. And uh, I want you to take care of yourselves. Love you guys very much. Stay safe out there. Mwah.